This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 322, brought to you by C2E2 and iFanboy members like you. Welcome to the 
TGIFanboy.com Pick Your League Podcast. It's episode 322. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. Sup? We are at Fanboy.com and we like comics. We read comics. Everyone can read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best one. We write about it on the website and talk about it on the podcast, along with other books of the week, other topics of interest. It's a big old comic book jamboree. So I like to tell people what I do for a living. Is there a jug band in there? Is there like yes. a, a washing board? And, a <laughs> and, they, and they, they ask for clarification, just like comic jamboree. <laughs> well, well, what slower, do you mean jamboree? Say, say it like a dick, and then yeah. <laughs> I don't have a lot of friends anymore. <laughs> Dude, but but you, of of your friends, is there's a small rabbit that wears a shirt, right? Yes. <laughs> No Most pain. of my friends wear overalls. Before we get to the show, <laughs> quick reminder and a warning. This is a review show. We'll be talking about the books and the spoilers within them. So if you haven't read your books, pause the show and come back. Everyone will be happier. There'll be less Ajita. And this week, Josh had to pick. There's Ajita in comics? There's some Ajita. No. There's, there. Watch, 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 watch. Hank Pym. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> and before we get to the pick of the week, stay tuned to the end of the podcast. We've got some interesting information about the upcoming Image Expo convention, as well as some uh, cool podcasts you're going to want to check out. Oh, uh, pick of the week this week was Peter Panzer Faust number one. Uh, this is a new series from Image Comics uh, by the by um, Curtis J. Weeby, who has a fun name to say, and he did the much acclaimed uh, Green Wake, which I didn't read. That's the uh, Riley Rossmo one, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, yep. That's what it's not doing anymore. Yeah. Well, this is a five. This is a five issue mini of a thirty part story, which he hopes to tell if this mini sells well. So right that's now. True. It's it's planned as a thirty part story if wow. it gets go ahead, but if it doesn't, it'll just be a five issue mini. <laughs> That's a really like is that a thirty issue story or thirty part like thirty five issue mini series? Thirty five issue mini series. That's gonna a be, lot of comic no, books. Thirty issues. Thirty issues. Oh, okay. <laughs> thirty issues. If if it sells enough to to get that far, if not, it's gonna be a five issue mini, which is what. Uh, we be said on ifanboy.com in the comment section of his book when he came on to talk about it. There you go. This is and this is this is fairly standard practice for an image book. You 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 know you get what you get. You you do a little bit, good enough. Do some more. Try to keep it up. I like that. Um, what this book is is a different take on the Peter Pan story, as uh, if it were taking place in France in whoa, 1940s. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jamberry. I get it. <laughs> Is this a bit? No, I just totally got it. I thought the dude's name was Peter Panzerfaust. That was it. Yeah. The flying scene makes much more sense now. Yeah, yeah, and the orphans. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, there are a bunch of <laughs> French <laughs> orphan boys in Calais, and they're on their own, and they meet this, uh, this charming American uh, who, who comes, and they're going to try to help them get away from these tanks that are storming the town that is being wrecked. It looks like, um, like the wrecked town in Saving Private Ryan. Uh, if you need to know, and uh, basically, it's it's the Peter Pan story, or so far as we know, and I don't really know how it's going to progress exactly, but uh, done done during World War II, like I said, and uh, you know, I, I was aware of the Peter Pan uh, allegory, but I kind of forgot about it, and I was I was just into it anyway. Um, the thing that actually really impressed me about the book was I I liked I just liked the way it was drawn, and I liked the way that the pages were laid out, and I, I liked that I like, in I that like the pictures, and I liked the. <laughs> It's gonna be one of those shows. I, I think, think art wise, you're right. There's very, very fluid movement to the characters. These, these characters are almost constantly in movement during this this issue because they're on the run. Yeah, and, but, and also you, you could movement. tell. Yeah, you could tell what was happening with the sort of battle. I don't know if that's the right word, but they're getting chased by a tank, and there are certain movements and tactics involved. And you you just 
it just wasn't a series of explosions and people running. Like you got a sense of the place and of the, you know, the way that things were happening and the sort of strategy that they were employing to sort of get away from it. And I, I really like that. I, I think that um, we don't see that enough. We get, you know, that kind of stuff kind of gets covered up by bombast. And then when they went to sort of quiet scenes, I, I picture this. There's a page where um, the orphans are all introducing themselves and like there'll be a panel that's just sort of empty with one of the lamps on it. And it indicates like that silence in the moment. You know, as they're sort of just saying their names, and it was not—it was a book that wasn't afraid to use the space that it had allotted to it. And and like the first time they show uh, Peter, he shows up, and, and it's like a full-page spread. But it's not gratuitous. It just—it's—it it just gives you a moment. No, I it worked. It, yeah, that that totally worked. That was, and I know we highlighted it in our best panels of the week, and that like that page that that page was the page that got me. Yeah, you know, because like with the hair, his hair is flowing, and the jacket, and the gun, and the knife coming out of the boot, and you know, like because up to that point, you know, the they, it's using the flashback kind of um, setup where one of the orphans are remembering back, and it's setting the setting. But within five pages, you just see this striking figure, and it's like, okay, cool, like that was the moment where I was yeah. I was in for this book. And if you're a Doctor Who guy, he really does remind you of David Tennant, although he's supposed to be American. Um, because of the hair and the sort of general shape of him, but that that doesn't. But but it works because if that guy, if you were going to play it, he would look exactly like this, and that that's totally fine. Um, uh, you know, and then so you've got that really kind of fluid cartooning. Uh, I, can't, I don't really have anybody to compare it to. It made me think of Matthew Dow Smith a little bit, who draws Doctor Who, oddly enough. Um, but at the same time, like the the tanks and sort of the buildings and everything were all spot on. They were like, you know, those British artists who work with Garth Ennis level of tank drawing. You know, like. <laughs> Like I was like, that is a Chris Weston style tank right there. That's good stuff. And so you, you so you mix that sort of realism of of World War Two, uh, you know, a, that sort of imagery that we're a lot of us are very familiar with. I'm I'm very familiar with it. Um, so it looked right, but then that sort of fantasy and and whimsy of of the the Peter Pan part of the story and and why are they flying and, and all that. Um, you know, they didn't explain a ton here. You just sort of went with it and. If there was enough that I, I want to know what's going to happen next, but I was also impressed enough by the craft uh, to be like, oh, this is really well done. And, uh, you know, just the, the most fun, fresh thing that I read this week. Uh, basically, it was it was it was a great great issue, great yeah, first I mean, issue. I, I mean, it's like, and even what the, my one not complaint, but one thing was that you know this is one of the the areas, and I guess it's good because it makes me want more, and you know, like in terms of wanting the next issue. But it's like, okay, this 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 issue did a great job of establishing, introducing us to, to Peter Panzer Faust and introducing us to the, to the to the children. But I still don't know what the story is really. Well, yeah. it's a cold open. Sure, no, right, which I totally I get. I mean, that's what a first yeah. issue is now, and, is it's before the credits. And the one thing is I thought the ending, it ended rather abruptly. It did end abruptly. Like, to the point yeah. where I thought I thought I had a, I thought I had a bum issue. Like, I thought, Actually, yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. I thought I had I a printer error, yeah, because what happens is, is that there's a scene where they're hiding out in a in an abandoned building, and, and a British soldier runs into the, it runs in, and German soldiers chase him down, they shoot the British soldier, and then Peter kind of comes down and just makes a grand entrance, and he's howling. And then, yep. and then the next page is the image 20th anniversary um, yes. ad, and then a preview of Rebel Blood. And I yeah. was like, "Whoa, what? Ha, ha, what? Ha, there was no letter page. There was no." There needed to be something that says, you know, to be continued or something like the that. The end, just, or, yeah, or yeah. To be, yeah, exactly, yeah. So no, I agree. I, that's that's a that's a valid criticism, right. I think. Uh, but it, it didn't. I mean, uh, that alone, I, it couldn't be pick of the week for me at all. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally joking. <laughs> In fact, uh, Connor, I wanted to bring this up. Josh, we've uh, 
We've done something unprecedented we've here. <laughs> wow. We've, over, we've overruled you. We've changed Jackson, the picture. If you go to the website, you'll see it's been changed out already. Yes, yes. It is now. I guys, I can't log in anymore. You've in fact, your passkey doesn't work. We'd like you to turn in <laughs> turn it in with your ID. Listen, you can come back this weekend and get your stuff, Josh. 322 episodes. <laughs> Um, no, but I mean, it, it was a lot of fun, but it was just that, that, that ending just kind of got me. And I was like, oh, okay. So mm-hmm. I did like it didn't hit you over the head with Peter Pan stuff. I mean, no, it, yeah. The references were in there, the second window to the right and the shadow and, and Peter Pan himself and the, and the, even the howling at the end was all stuff from Peter Pan, but it didn't. Does Peter Pan howl? Yes. But it didn't, it didn't, it didn't knock you over the head with it. It was very elegantly done and put into the story. Um, it was tons of fun. I really enjoyed this. It's just, I mean. Art alone, the, the story was great, but the, I really loved the art. It was sort of a revelatory art experience where you're finding somebody you really like for the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, wow, this guy's great. Yeah, um, no, the, yeah. Art, the art was really, really good. Uh, Tyler Jenkins, I thought, did a great job. And, and you're right. I think the Peter Pan stuff, to the point where I didn't even get it until we just explained it and talked about it. Um, and, like, and it could have very easily been like, you know, we, can't, we, we won't be able to jump this distance unless you believe. Like, they could have done that, but they didn't. It just went subtle, which I think is great. So. And I, you know, I don't know Peter Pan all that well. Like, I know the broad strokes, of it, I, I, but I haven't really seen it or thought Did about it in the, a really long Johnny time. Did you see the movie? That was great. Yeah, but yeah. that was a while ago, Johnny so I don't Friday really remember Neverland. that. that was it really was good. good. Yeah. Kate Winslet? Was it Kate Winslet? I believe so. It might have been. I like Kate Winslet. There you go. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the and that is how we're going to end that conversation. <laughs> there, there Just as abruptly and oddly. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so moving on. <laughs> to one of the more horrifying covers of the week. <laughs> this whole issue of Batman number six was horrifying because we're really seeing the effects of the, the drugs that they've given Batman, the, the Court of Owls um, and the Talon have given Batman. He's, he's totally hallucinating. And I thought, you know, they're really embracing the horror aspect of this storyline in, yeah. in, a, in a mainstream high-profile Batman book. It was very, very horrific. Yeah. Not even just in gore, but just in terms of hallucinations and monsters and... Things like that. I, I will go as gore. far to say that I actually like this issue more than the last issue. I can see that. Yeah, I thought this issue because this issue actually we had some action. We had a great fight. I thought I thought um, I thought Capullo's uh, fight choreography was really really good. Um, and then you know I guess I like it. I like the 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 rising up. You know, Batman kind of rising up and fighting through the pain and fighting through the drugging and everything like that and showing, you know, his true stripes. And also I love the moment where Batman, you know, kind of says, I know where we are. You know, and then bails, which I thought was cool. And then that it's too hor- bad he drowned at the end. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> but that that horrific uh, owl face, ugh, the owl masks, freak me out at the end. Yeah, I think this is this is this is a great, you know, wonderfully constructed story. And I, uh, the court of owls are creepy. The masks are creepy. The, the iconography is creepy. Um, they really do seem to be a formidable match for Batman, especially if they've got a whole army of talent, yeah, uh, people to fight him. Um, it's, this has been great. This has been wonderful. A really nice sort of fight choreography cartooning too, I thought. Uh, you know, he, he's doing a lot with these pages and, yeah. and, and we're following it. Sort of related to what I was talking about in the, the pick of the week, but uh, in a different way. Uh, it's just sort of the, the the dance of this fight is is very clearly laid out and it's uh, well done. And also, there's there, there is re- I know we've talked about this before, but there are real real Frank Miller hints in Capullo's Batman. Oh like, yeah, like uh, Dark Dark Knight. We're talking '80s Frank Miller. You know, like you know, like and not not you know, oh, one, the Dark Knight. Yeah. You know, I mean, like pretty much the 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 build of Bruce Wayne and the the use of the cowl and stuff like that. It's very Frank Miller esque because I, which I think is interesting because I would never think to put Capullo and Frank Miller in the same sentence. 
um, you know, which might show my ignorance towards Capullo's work, but I read a lot of those Spawn issues, and you know, and um, <laughs> just just saying, I just I want I want to put that clause on lots of different like situations, yeah. but I read a lot of Spawn issues. <laughs> um, so so yeah. let's get these birth control hearings underway. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's good. I mean, again, you know, I don't like Batman, and this has got me it totally got me hooked. So uh, I'm enjoying it now. When it expands out to the rest of the line this summer. We'll see if I stick around. <laughs> you better the quarter owls. No, I don't. I can't say I will. But um, I'm not. I'm not going to read everything. Really? So don't read everything. You don't need to read everything. All right. I could see it all. This this <laughs> this week <laughs> also saw. I saw everything. It was uh, too late. <laughs> Glory number twenty three, which is the latest extreme relaunch book from Image, in which they relaunched the book at number twenty three. It's making it confusing for everybody. Well, there's that first issue in a bold new era up along the top. So. Sure, but so if you look down the left side, you see first 20, 1992, 2012, 23, So, so a, lot a lot of numbers. numbers. A lot of numbers. <laughs> they went heavy on the numbers. Um, so yeah so glory and, and this is written by joe keating and art by ross campbell and i i still continue to like the decision of ross campbell on this he's um, great yeah i think not only is he great but he's also not someone you would expect um for this kind of book or in this kind of you know again similar to the prophet you know brandon graham simon roy kind of situation it were like i love that choice a surprising surprising choice much um, more of an indie feel but i felt that to me the detriment in this issue was that it, it felt much, whereas Prophet felt totally new and completely different and on its own. This felt much more tied into the past. Yeah, agreed. a past that I'm not at all familiar with. So yeah, yeah this is this is the one that, 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 that held it back. Yeah, me. I mean, like we we praised and loved Prophet because Prophet, you know, like because Brandon Graham just took the man out of time, dumped Prophet in you know thousands of years in the future, and just said go. Whereas this Keating tries to make some. I don't know if he's trying to make some ties or resolution or resolve, but but to, to tie it back to what had Liefeld and, and crew and other people had done in the 90s with Glory and in, in the early 2000s as well and tying Like Supreme makes an appearance and you get like kind of almost like a fast forward through history of what Glory is. a lot of information. A lot of information and it gets – and it got it got very weighed down at times. Um, also, I, I think uh, while I do love Campbell's art, there were some pages where it was like, oh, that wasn't as good as that other page. There was a couple of missteps here and there later in the book as well, um, but you know. But that said, I'm I, you know I I going back to what I said about Peter Panzerfaust. I, it, by the end of the issue, I, I my my immediate thought was I want to see what's next. I want to see what comes of this because if if they can unencumber themselves of the past and just go and go from that launching point, it might be it, it might go in a in a good direction. Yeah, there was yeah. there was enough interesting stuff here, especially yeah. art wise, especially. But story wise, I mean, the character is, is is interesting. It's basically an image version of Wonder Woman, yeah. um, and if if it stays tied in and there's and the, the info dumps continue, it'll be tough for me. But. Yeah. If it, if it goes on like you said on its own, it'll be it might be interesting. It gets at least one more issue out of me, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think from from everything you know, because I've I've interviewed Joe Keating and, and he's a buddy of ours and stuff like that. From everything from my from my understanding, the next issue does focus down just on Glory and what the story is, and you know, because part of this also is like I don't get a sense in this issue of what the threat is. Mm-hmm. Or who the villain is. I mean, like I get, you know, there, there's, you know, the, that first page kind of speaks a little to it, and I think kind of foreshadows a little to it. I think, but I, I think it's that she has cancer. No, <laughs> she's bedridden. No. I don't know. But it's that, yeah. But it's, it, and the thing is, it leaves on the question: is how did she get like that? And I, I assume we're going to find someone, out. Someone, someone did it to her. Yeah, uh. exactly. But, um, but it's a good start. I mean, agreed that it's not the home run that, um, that that profit was, but I think it was. It's a solid double. You know. Um, yeah. I th- yeah, I think definitely. You know, like I probably get. I think I gave it four stars. Um, there was a point in the middle where I was just like, "Oh, there's a lot of information here." Yeah, yeah. That, it does. It does get heavy in the middle. Yep, agreed. 
but um but, but yeah i'm curious to see where it goes so it, so this is issue six of dc universe presents is the second arc of this anthology series uh, the first arc was dead man this this arc is challengers of the unknown and first of all i don't think it's a good idea to have six issue arcs in an anthology yeah because the, a you get two stories a year and b if, if people don't like the one story they're out of luck for six months yeah that's true and it really is a bad way to go about so it's the series yeah, like, I mean, it's, like you you can you can get a series canceled in six, six yeah, months. Yeah, so it's a yep. it's a real tough way to go. I mean, you need this is a book where you need to have shorter arcs. Well, now would you, or, would, you or, pre- would you prefer that? Um, would you prefer there a be like two or three shorter length stories that go six issues? Stories. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do that as well. I mean, it really depends on which which gamble you're going to take because because anthologies in general don't succeed in the modern market. Yeah, but, so. but if you do two using recognizable but not necessarily a list characters. You put you know good folks on them. You do do some stories like I think that'd be cool. I'm honestly fine with either way. I just think the way they're doing yeah. it now is not working because yeah. I, I read we all read the first issue. Uh, famously read the first issue of DC Universe Presents and famously amongst ourselves and uh, didn't enjoy it. So we didn't you know it's been. I bet you guys probably forgot this book even existed. Which I was, knew that this was coming. What I saw was a really beautiful cover, and then nothing inside was going to look that good. So I didn't bother. Well, the Ryan Silk cover was great. The art inside is Jerry Ordway, and if you like Jerry Ordway, it looks it looks great. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Jerry Ordway fan. And it works within the context of this kind of story. Dan DiDio is the writer who, you know, in the past, before OMAC, I would have totally written off. But, you know, I, OMAC was great and I gave it a shot. And it was okay. And that's it, what you get. Yeah. I mean, it. it that, yeah. There were some great concepts in that the, the Challenges of the Unknown were a reality show plane gone down on a show called Challengers. <laughs> and uh, the that reality is, show thing's been used a lot yeah, by now. Well, yeah, because it's 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 the most dominant pop cultural force in in America. Um, so to comment on it would be would be normal. Uh, they get stuck in Nanda Parbat, and it goes sort of wonky. And at that point, you know, the the promise in the beginning is sort of lost in the middle, and by the end, you just kind of don't even know what's going on. You're not really introduced to the characters. Um, when it, with a book like this, with with character with a team like the Challengers of the Unknown, which is really a DC minutia team, you really need to do a good job of explaining who everyone is, and they don't really do a good job of that. I think on the on the whole. It was a rough start, and I think a book like this probably couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I'm gonna, I might check, I might check out the next issue. It depends really on what comes out that week and how much money I'm spending. But uh, I think this 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 book, while while conceived well in the beginning, has, the execution of it has been has been lackluster, and that's probably hurt it really badly. I'm just talking in general, not mm-hmm. specifically to this this issue, but yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I didn't touch with the ten foot pole. Well, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect you would, but it, it's just it's the the challengers. These guys are they were in they were in New Frontier, right? Yep. Yeah, they're an old team. They they predate yeah. the Fantastic Four. They're from the fifties. They're Jack Kirby creation, but um, none of that. I, I feel none like Loeb, that is, Loeb and Sale did like a, a run yep. on them a long time Loeb ago. Sale did as well. Oh, that was yeah. that was their, that was uh, both both their first work. Yeah, that was both uh, Jeff Loeb and I, I'm not sure if it was Tim Sale's first work. But it was Jeff Loeb's first work? Yeah, they did a ch- like early nineties. Yeah. yeah, Challenge of the Unknown series. Yeah, so it's it's one of those old it's one of those DC minutia teams that the creators love because it's an old Kirby property that yeah. came, you know came about in the 1950s. But it's it's really hard it's it's hard to do that and make it work in a modern way. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Um, so I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm going to say a lot of what I've already said before, but uh, after reading Avengers number 22 and New Avengers number 21, it's just it's really, really sad to see Bendis' Avengers run whimpering, you know, limping along to its conclusion. Um, and it's like I, I even – and I even as I was reading both these issues – but basically both series are converging on this whole ha- uh, hammer norman osborne kind of thing and for and i don't know and i don't know like i read both titles and i don't know if there's anybody out there who just reads avengers or doesn't read new avengers but i don't see how you can not get away with reading both these titles to see you know cuz it's and especially with this issue kind of converges on avengers mansion but um not only is the story just completely just kind of been there done that um, you got a situation where we're like we're, with Renato Geddes on the art where they're like it, it, I feel like they're holding him back um, to you know where you know the st- what he did on Wolverine was very kind of a very you know unique kind of style I didn't can't, can't say I loved it but at least it was his style whereas this it just feels like it's really really watered down to the point where there's a ton of faces and um, panels where it's just like ugh like really you know there's a sh- there's a shot where not Maria Hill is um, intimidating the dude with the earthquake stuff. And um, and when she punches him, if you look at her face, she looks like sloth from the Goonies. I mean, like it just—it's just bizarre, you know. Like, and it's like I can't believe this is the Avengers, you know. And then over on New Avengers, I was actually surprised because aside from um, Tommy Lee Jones as as uh, as uh, what's his face as Norman uh, as Norman Osborn, I thought Diodato got the, the art was very not very, but it was slightly different from what I would expect from Diodato. Um, you know, well, admittedly, there's a, it looks like there's a Google SketchUp uh, Avengers Mansion on the first page, but um, it just felt a lot more airy and a lot lighter than what I was used to with with Theodato. So I actually thought that was really good. But then I thought then it ended just so abruptly again, kind of like Peter Panzerfaust. It ends with this kind of thing, and there's just this panel of Spider-Man that I don't know why it was there, and it just the whole Avengers experience left me really kind of with a bad taste in my mouth. So, so what's it going to take for you to not buy them? Well, no, I mean, well, I mean, Simonson's coming up, so I'll check that out. And I, I, I'm yeah, that's, three, that's three months from now. You don't have to, still yeah. have to read those. Yeah, well, three. I want to know what happens. I mean, this is the thing. There's no way you could figure it out. <laughs> I mean, you're telling it's, me it's, it's all. It's well, no, you're, it's, you're literally saying this all feels like it's been there, done that. Yeah. So, so you, you'll know. Also, <laughs> you know, not a lot happens in three months in these books. So true. true yeah, exactly. Not Especially a huge leap. Yeah, I'm no, gonna but, jump back on for Simonson purely for the art. I, I I can't imagine it'll be that difficult to figure out. They'll be yeah, fighting no, over Osborne. I can't Osborne. imagine it wouldn't wouldn't be either. But I mean, I'm still gonna I'm, I mean, I'm still gonna. I'm not, it's not it's not as bad to the point of dropping. It's not that I haven't hit that point of it. But um, hey, it's my own decision to make. <laughs> that was a little defensive. Tell I'm you sorry. what. Tell you what. You give me you give me eight bucks. And I'm gonna just bore you to shit for about twenty minutes. Well, why you do that for? I do get that from you for free. I know, but I'm charging now. <laughs> why pay, Why I'm buy a, the cow when you can have the milk for free? I'm gonna I'm gonna draw something you don't really like that much. <laughs> I'm just gonna explain some shit that's confusing, but it seems kind of familiar. Yeah, well, sad. And then I'm just gonna walk out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta imagine somebody's the art's gonna change again because it's been changing so quick. On at least on Avengers. Well, maybe, it's going to be Simonson in three months. Is it, yeah, but is Akuna going to come back? I want Akuna to come back. Anyway. We can't, we can't live in the past. Yeah. Anyway. Um, regardless, though, it just, it's kind of – I'll be curious to see if Bendis can turn it around. That's all. And it was interesting on the Avengers cover to see the emergence of the uh, first uh, Avengers movie banner that I've, I've seen at least and, and not being told it's coming about Avengers vs. X-Men. I still don't know why that's in quotes. 
It's somebody's quote. Somebody said uh, it. Someone said it. Who said it? Anyway, so, <laughs> well, if, if coming sooner than Simonson on Avengers is C2E2, and that is the upcoming comic convention that takes place in Chicago every year. On April 13th or April 15th, that's in Chicago at McCormick Place, you can attend C2E2 and see such comic stars as Mark Silvestri, Amanda Connor, Tony Moore, Joe Kubert, Sean Murphy, Tim Seeley, and lots, lots more. And uh, C2E2 always packs in the, the interesting media guests, the folks at uh, Read Pop who do this in New York Comic Con, also get a bunch of great entertainment media guests for you. And this year, you haven't lived until you've seen Anthony Daniels in the flesh. C-3PO himself will be at C2E2. And if you pay enough, I'm sure he'll let you wear the mask. Uh, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know if he will. Um, last year at C2E2, there was a Marty McFly lookalike standing next to a replica DeLorean. So if that's your thing, you could see that. So uh, <laughs> go to C2E2.com where you can pick up uh, tickets. They're 50 bucks for the weekend, and they've also got these great VIP packages with perks where you can get access to the floor early, get a bunch of exclusive swag, get some uh, neat little perks that, get, that make it really worth it to make the C2E2 experience that much more special. So go to C2E2.com um, and get your tickets now. Get them before they sell out. Boss. So Paulo Rivera's back on, on, on Daredevil. Yeah. And I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, I guess I guess I thought what was interesting about this is that um, you've got you've got Matt in this place where they didn't really use it. They've got Matt in this place where it's all dark and nobody else can see either, and and he can't, so it should be evenly matched. But they didn't even touch on that, which I thought was interesting. I I, I guess my, I wanted to be more excited about this than I was. This felt this felt. Um Interesting to see them. I feel like the Moloids are in every fucking book. Yes, right. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if, if it's building towards something with the Moloids, I guess. But it, but it just seems like everyone just like Moloids, and they went back. But um, I, this felt this felt unnecessarily heavier than past Daredevil issues by, mm-hmm. by Mark Wade. Like they, whereas whereas it still feels kind of you know light and and swashbuckly or whatever. This for some reason I I got I felt a sense of weight with this issue that I haven't picked up on with the previous issues. And, the thing is, it's got to go there because yeah. the fact is, the lightness—it's the book isn't light. The book right. is pretending to be light. Right. That's what Matt's doing. So eventually, it is going to drag our, us back down, and it has to. Yeah. Literally and figuratively in this issue. Yeah. Um, I just—I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't love it either. I didn't love it either. Yeah. Although, although I feel bad for Matt getting played by Black Cat. Right. Nobody has an apartment like that in Alphabet City. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Matt's apartment in Alphabet City, by the way? It should be, shouldn't it be in Hell's Kitchen? Yeah, it should be in Hell's Kitchen, right? All the yeah, other side, it's literally the other side of the island. Yeah. If he's got to stop time in Hell's sense. Kitchen, he, he's never going to get there in time. Yeah. And also, like, it's a, he shouldn't have a big glass thing. <laughs> well, like, it's, oh my God, it's the friend's sense. apartment. If you look it's at the balcony, like it, yeah. it, looks, it looks just like the friend's apartment. <laughs> He doesn't need a big glass view. <laughs> he, he can save a ton of money. It's wasted on him. He doesn't need a river well, view. Yeah. Then again, no, look at it as a, as a seduction tool. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's still great. And like that double paid spread of uh, Daredevil down underground and the Moloids and the coffins is beautiful. But um, yeah, for me, it just felt heavy. That's all. Sure. Didn't have the zip. I, I, I liked it. I, pro- I didn't love it, but I did like it possibly more than you guys. But. I think you need the dark to, to accentuate the light and back and forth. And plus, Matt is just being lighthearted to cover the darkness inside of him, which is yeah, still yeah. there. Um, it's not, it's not going they're... anywhere. Now, I'm not going to suggest that, that that's a problem, though. So, Matt's fine, yeah. however anyone likes him. <laughs> you are right about the Moloids, though. Did a, right? did a memo go out? or? I don't know. They're the, 
They're the Norman Osborne of, of next year. The Moloids agent has been working overtime. Listen, I got I got these Moloids. You should put them in the book. Come on, it'll be great. So. This is Maury with the Moloids. How have you been? Listen. <laughs> Josh, are you still reading Birds of Prey? No, no. It's actually quite an interesting thriller book. That's it, It's slightly not totally the same kind of book as other superhero books. But what's interesting to me is that I think we've noticed a very dis- – distinct effort to do shorter arcs at DC. There's been some five-issue arcs. There's been some four-issue arcs. This is part six, and it's still going. This, this show is no sign of stopping. So it's interesting that this one book is, is going along. Um, but this year, we had, a, we had Javier Pina on guest art, and it was great. This is a really fun, sort of fast-paced, I don't say lighthearted, but it kind of is, in a, in a way, action book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's been great. And now that, now that uh, Travel Foreman is going to be taking over on art, from, from Animal Man, it's going to get even more interesting. Can I say that's weird? Why? It's just I don't know. It's just weird. Like he, he was like, I didn't really want to be an Animal Man. That whole anyway. story was bizarre. That was I took the now, job because my mother was sick, and that, and and it was, I, I didn't want to do it. And it's like, well, but we loved you. I was very upset and, by that. You're you're on a. I mean, it's a book that's a special thing. Yeah, it was very and weird. Going to a book that is notably less special. He I'll, doesn't I'll, want to be drawing a family story when his family's falling apart. I, I understand. I, okay. That. That oh, makes sense. All right, all right, that's fair. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, I can see where you want to draw pretty girls in cars. I don't know if he's necessarily the right person for that. Well, I think I, he's, I think he's good enough to do something interesting with it. I would. I wouldn't expect to see the same thing that we saw in Animal Man from his work on Birds of Prey. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it's just it's interesting. Is all I'm yes, saying. Yes, it is interesting. Um, so Amazing Spider-Man number six seventy nine point one is one of those issues that. Uh, <laughs> so you got you got Dan Slott and Chris Yost on writers. On, and normally when Dan Slott is accompanied by somebody else, it gets a little stronger. But this issue was rough, and I think mainly it was because of uh, Matthew Clark's pencils. But but there was something to celebrate, and that was on the fourth page. There is a cross section of Horizon Labs, which as soon as I turned that, I was like, <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Anytime I can get a building cross section in the Marvel Universe, I will celebrate that. So, I so this is a this is a point one. Yeah, it's a point one. And Th- have they have they not done a Spider Man point one? Or they do. Yeah, they they just... every, every, I think every year they're doing a point so one. So they're just oh my yeah. god, and, really? Yeah, and and I uh, don't get me started. And um and this served no purpose other than just telling a Morbius living vampire story. That was about it. Which you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. On the surface, yeah. I guess. But so and I guess and I guess to really push this Uatu Jackson. Uh, dude, a little more, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, eh, it was it was a big it was a big meh. So, <laughs> thank God. Uh, I wanted to talk about the activity number three. I thought this was the strongest of the issues. I really liked the uh, devices sort of going back and forth between the post mission failure angst and anger, and to just sort of exploring the characters a little bit. It was like both quiet and exciting and I, I thought the uh, I, I just thought it was really well done it was nicely paced and put together and I, I thought the art looked the best that it has so far um, and you know you're seeing you're seeing uh, Mitch Garrett's like get better with each issue as he gets to know these guys and then once you've got the foundations of that you can push it forward and, and I just and I, I also really like how uh, this is Edmondson doing Edmondson as he does best where just like lots of jargon not you know not so much that you're just trying to impress me but, I was I was pleased to see a glossary at the end, not because there was so much because I like glossaries. I was like, oh yeah. cool, like I got excited. So God, you are just a pedantic 
I am. So, yeah. Show me a cutaway map, a glossary, yeah. uh, any kind of bibliography. No, I'm really look, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the uh, the page where the 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 thing lands, the plane helicopter thing. The Osprey. Uh, that was so that that was a g- really great page by uh, by yeah. Mitch with the with the plane coming in for the landing. That was really cool. So. Yeah, it's just it's a book that like keeps getting better, and I hope that uh, that people check it out. I mean, you, honestly, you you have to like this kind of thing. It's very military heavy and and black opsy and and all, but uh, it's well done, and uh, I like this issue. Cool. Um, real quickly, Wolverine three hundred one. Sometimes when they throw um, multiple artists on a book, they can complement each other and and make something really special. But with this issue, we got half the book by Billy Tan and Jason Keith on art, and the other half by Steven Sanders and uh, Soto Color. Um, and it's just like it does not. They, they neither helps each other at all. No. Um, I would have loved to see the whole issue by Steven Sanders. Um, yeah, I, yeah, even there, even there. No, probably... that's a stretch. Yes. Uh, um, I thought Sanders was was very Chaken esque in some of his stuff. Yeah, they, yeah, that's true. Um, but the tan stuff is just his saber tooth is awful. Th- that, I don't know if it's the art dragging this arc down or what, but yeah. uh, I'm definitely not enjoying this arc as much as I have previous Wolverine stories, and I don't know why. I think it's the art, personally. But it could be. Yeah. Who knows. Anyway, so those are the books that we read and enjoyed this week, um, and a whole bunch more came out. Or didn't. Or didn't. <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch more came out and you can go to ifanboy.com slash comics and you can check them all out um, and you can do your pull list and you can rate and review your books and you can come back and say, pick the book that you thought was your pick of the week and we want to highlight the top five picks of the week from the iFanboy community and coming in at number five was Daredevil number nine with 2.6% of the pick of the week dispersal um, number four was Glory number 23 with 3.8% <laughs> what? Dispersal. Yeah, it just—it was just—it just stuck out. I don't know why. Right, it was fine. not expected. Word choice. That's okay, all. There you go. Um, number three was BPRD Hell on Earth: The Long Death, cut with seven point two percent of the pick of the week. Just. Uh, I was going to say another word, and I lost it. Uh, number two is Peter Panzerfaust. Number one, Josh's pick of the week got 10% of the iFanboy community. Not bad. Week. Not bad at all. Um, and finally, the reigning champion, Batman, issue number six, got 70.1% of the iFanboy pick of the week. Uh, distribution, that's the word I was going to use. So, yeah. uh, Infinitesimal. Infinitesimal. Just so, the same words. You can also write reviews at iFanboy.com. And Connor, why don't you lead us off with the first one? Agaburi reviewed Wonder Woman number six and gave the story a two out of five and the art a four out of five and 0.1% of the people made it their pick of the week. And Agaburi says, I really liked the start of this series, but it began to lose steam last month. This month's offering was very confusing. I feel like a lot of the characters are unidentified, undefined, and other than having god powers and or being jerks, they don't have a lot of explanation. I was confused by a lot of what's going on, especially the whole teleporting thing. The art was very good in Shank's absence, but maybe I didn't read closely enough to get all the plot points. I'll be honest with you. I'm real close to dropping it. Why? Uh, well, I was disappointed. I thought we'd get Cliff Chang back, and we didn't. Not that Tony Akins is bad. I just didn't enjoy it. And I kind of agree. Like I, I, it hasn't. I haven't found anything to grab onto to glom onto with this yet. Um, this is this is. I've I've felt this. This is an Azarello thing. Yeah. He's very sparse. He doesn't give you a ton, and it's a valid thought. I will say in this instance for this book, I'm not lost yet. Yeah, I can I think, see how. Yeah, I can see how you might think there's not enough to grab onto because like I, he's really subtle. Like. He, he, he doesn't hit you over the head with it. Now it took him fifty issues to lose me in hundred bullets before I was like, I, I've, I'm out. I don't yeah. know what this is. Uh, and apparently, if I'd kept going, it would have been a new religion. 
something like that. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't think it's that bad. It's, it seems fairly clear cut, especially if you have a basic knowledge of the Greek gods. Which, which I do. Don't, which I do. I, well, no, and that's fine. Yeah. But if you don't, then I can see how you're completely lost. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, but it's it's all for me i still think it's it's fairly elegant i don't think this issue was was wonderful it wasn't my favorite of them um it's just it's just i don't have an emotional attachment to wonder woman to greek mythology like to like so like in terms of the things that grab me to it you know and like it for me it's been chang and and you know hope you know hopefully he'll be back soon i know he's gonna be co-writing um so i'm i'm still there but i'm close i'm close I don't me. think Josh has an emotional attachment to either one of those things. I just think no, it's, he's a big, he's a big Greek mythology guy. Oh yeah, I mean <laughs> I, I I really do like mythology. No, you it's, do. I mean you no, got I, that you got that big eight hundred page tome that that thing you got that book you got with all the Greek myths and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And, and well, the, that, I mean, listen, that paper you did you, in college on it. The you can judge paper? me by the by the ten foot Hephaestus statue in the backyard, sure. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> you got me to Hephaestus. <laughs> I love uh, that name. It. Uh, I mean, it, it's. It, yeah. I mean, if you don't know anything about the Greek gods, and I think she had to be really, really confusing. Because um, in this issue, she basically gathers the gods together to trick them into being able to cast a spell to pr- protect the the young girl, and then it blows up in her face. I mean, it, it was pretty standard. And the characters are those are all the Greek gods. Those are all the main gods in, in the story. Um, just in modern form. So he doesn't tell you that explicitly. He he tells you that in the context of what's happening in the dialogue and, and yeah. who people it's not like are. I was lost. I'm not saying I was no, lost. No, no, I'm not but... saying you specifically. I'm just saying I've seen people complaining. It's it is very it does work make you work for it, but not overly, I think. I think it's it's just he doesn't he doesn't lay everything out. He, he makes you have to understand what's happening through the context of reading. And if you don't want to do that, it's not it's not sitting with you for whatever reason. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But I think Chang comes back on and that that you know not it does lose you... a step when Chang's out there. Just yeah. sure. Yeah, overall, just, it becomes yeah. less special. It's like when Travel Foreman's not wrong. Animal Man. We'll see how that goes. Steve you know? Pooh. I like Steve Pooh though. Anyway. No, he is. But we'll see. I, I can't. I can't believe that the way that you pronounce his last name is Pooh. <laughs> what is it? Pum- I'm gonna imagine Pew. Pew. Pooh. Yeah. All right. Our it's next. Not Pooh. No our... one's gonna go by Pooh. Our next review comes from Dix. <laughs> <laughs> who reviewed Winter Soldier number two? Gave the story a four out of five and the art a four out of five, and nobody made it their pick of the week because nobody likes Winter Soldier. No, I'm kidding. Nobody made it their pick of the week. And Dick says, if you are a person in need of a, co- a comic set in a superhero universe, but bearing more similarity to the board identity than Spider Man, Winter Soldier would be a good place to look. Issue number two dives back into the action where issue number one left off. Bucky's running narration reminds me of a pulp spy novel. He and Black Widow don't have crazy shield gadgetry to get them out of this predicament, relying on set on smoke grenades and know how. The plot does a lot of developing in this issue, and if you don't mind a thick layer of Marvel continuity, it's looking to be a cool international intrigue sort of story befitting the genre in which it exists. I'll be kind of honest. I kind of love this. I, I, I'm, I'm not loving it, but I'm pro it. I'm way pro it. I was reading this issue and thought, <laughs> you know, this is, this, is, this is kind of reminds me of the old Captain America book, the, pre, the pre-death book. I yeah. mean, it was – it, there's there's a spring in in the writing that wasn't there before, and the the art. I mean, the, obviously the only downside is that in trying to push the envelope with the art and the layouts, it, it does get very confusing in many parts of the, of the issue. What's happening? But I love the art, though. I love. I think the, the, the style that Butch Butch Geist is employing is interesting, but I think that some of these Starenko esque layouts get a bit oh, sto- confusing oh, story wise. Yeah, that's actually pronounced Butch Goo. But. Uh, <laughs> But I've but story wise, I was really enjoy. I really enjoyed this. He's, it seems like Brubaker's having a lot of fun in a way that I haven't seen in his writing in a long time. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. would agree with that. So. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it more than I thought I would. 
Cool. Awesome. So if you want to uh, make your make your make your comments and thoughts known, get to ifanbo.com slash comics and you can you can rate, review your look your books, you can uh, you can pick your pick of the week so we can mention it here and uh, and be part of the whole thing. Um, so let's move on to some emails. First up is Aaron from Omaha, Nebraska. He says, Hi guys, I just finished reading Thief of Thieves and I was really interested in the world of a con artist. I have already read Parker by Darwin Cook, and I don't know where to go from here. Do you have any suggestions for comics similar to these? Ooh. I've tricked you both. I don't have an answer. I was just like, is Parker <laughs> a con artist? I don't think he's a con artist. He's no, a con- he is. He's, he's totally a-, a con artist. Well, not a con he does artist. Thief. He's, he's a thief. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he does like he's assumed identities. Right. And all yeah, the I, I wouldn't call him a con artist though. Just I mean, he doesn't I feel like he pulled a bit of a con heists. on his on his, heists. He pulls heists yeah. in which in which there's some duplicity involved, but I don't see him as someone who he's not like a lawn con. I don't even I don't know. I guess you could say there's elements of con artistry in his He conned, he conned the his partners justifiably in in the outfit. Did a yeah, whole thing. Right, yeah, yeah. Did he, did uh, he just, or did he just steal from them? I mean, there's a, there's a fine line between what's a con artist yeah. and what's a thief. Well, either way, uh, yeah. is there anything else that this is tough? Because I, I, it might the answer might be that there is no answer. There's gotta be. There's gotta be. You know, um, you know what it made me think of? It's Josh uh, Kirkman's Kirkman's Ant Man. Interesting. I mean, it's a superhero version of it, but that whole thing was about. Getting over on everybody. Um, well, I mean, I mean, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't I mean? Wouldn't to a certain degree some of the criminal arcs? No. Yeah. Nobody. You know what? I, I would say that if he liked. Oh. Uh, blue, uh, whoa. Blue, uh, blue Estate from Image. Okay. That's. I don't know if it's con, but it's you know kind of crime. It's you know, kind, I don't know. Don't I'm, say noir. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm not saying it. No. Try. I'm going to stick with a little traditional. Try Hellblazer. John Constant. Is basically a demonic con artist, yeah. uh, in a way. He's he's trying to do good, but like a lot of that book is is tricking. You read the first book by Garth Ennis, uh, Original Sins. That's the story of a con. What about um, uh, Habibi? Although, although I haven't read it. <laughs> no I'm kidding, Habibi's not the right. Thing. Oh. <laughs> I, then I don't get your joke because <laughs> it's so not that. That's the joke. Oh, damn. <laughs> what about I killed Adolf Hitler by Jason? So now we just go for the most inappropriate yeah, one. I'm just, I'm just completely. Mouse, Pedro and me, um, the Avengers. Yeah, that's a tough question. That's a tough. I mean, maybe do people, let's throw it to the audience. Does the audience know anything? Did they? Anybody? Can't speak back to us. Oh wait. Oh I shit. Like right. you, I like how you paused. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good question. There's got to be stories like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, look in the comments. Everyone in the comments can write it, and then Aaron from Omaha come to the website on Monday or Tuesday and check out the comments, and people will have answers for you. That's the kind of question that sits in my my iFanboy inbox forever because I have no answer for it. I don't just want to write back. Whoa. Well, that's so funny is that is uh, this is the example of because a lot of times people write us in with questions and stuff like that 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 most often could be just solved with a Google search, 
And um, But every now and then, uh, the byproduct of the comic book industry, for example, if you had a question about Fantastic Four and I was looking for some sort of image, I'm ruined with images of, of uh, what's her name, Jessica Alba and stuff. The movies sure. ruined the searches. In this particular case, I, ser- I just searched for a comic book con artists, and I just got all these things about all comic conventions because I just <laughs> I got comic book con. <laughs> so it's the unsearchable topic. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, that word doesn't work at all. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Uh, next question. Sean from Lewiston, Maine? Yep, that's Maine. Okay. Dude, I don't want to go to Lewiston, by the way. (laughs) I heard bad things about Lewiston. Sean says, the other day I spent $50 on the first printing of American Splendor number one. It wasn't quite in mint condition, but where else can I find this comic? Anyway, it got me thinking, how much a single issue can cost over time for a variety of reasons? What are some single issues you've purchased or wanted to? Where do you draw the line as far as price for a single issue? Dun-dun-dun. I was just having this conversation the other day about with a friend of mine about um, how – and a part of it was uh, uh, you know, growing up and getting older and all that sort of stuff. It's saying how when he was growing up, he just coveted um, you know, X-Men number one like Jack, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee. And, and as, as a kid, like, oh, I can never afford it. I'll never be able to. But he's like, I was looking on eBay, and I could probably pick one up if I wanted to. They're like – they're in the low thousands, and I could, I could save some money. I could do that. And so I thought that was interesting um, how – would uh, you now, though? Well, I, well, I, I, I don't know if no, I would. He, no, no, not you, but just, I just was the other yeah. person talking. Yeah, the royal. You know, like, like, like at the time, you know, I, you know, I could probably swing it. Is that what I want to do with that money now? Right. Yeah, that's the question. I mean, they, uh, I really, I really, I, I used to be really, really big on the get the key issues. I want to get you know Spider Man one, you know the first Punisher one. I want to get the you know I want to get the Dark Phoenix one. I want to get all these kind of things. That has faded over the years. Um, not yeah, well, the back, the the trade program, and and not digital so much yet, but it's like it is, it's edged that down a little. Those well, the, not those because I want to read it, but because of because of yeah. more, more of the I was coming at it from it's the, the artifact way, the artifact yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, standpoint, yeah, the, the collectible standpoint. You know, I mean, because I remember when I, I mean, when I was in the in the '90s, when I was like in my first ten years of comics, even through college and stuff like that, there was you know, like I saved and hunted for the best uh, copy of New Mutants '87 I could find, the first Cable. Like and that was my for a while that was my gem of my collection that was like shit man I paid you know I and I paid like I I paid like sixty five bucks for that issue it was like yeah yeah I mean but you know like even I've done that like there are like gems like I would love to own uh, Showcase twenty two like the first Hal Jordan like that would be a cool thing to have I'd be fine with that if I had lots of cash I could totally see getting that yeah you know but I and I have a couple of key issues I have the first Hawkeye it was you know it was given to me as a gift but he's your favorite character. Yeah, well, there's value in it, you know, and I have the first Inhumans uh, in the Fantastic Four. Nice. That was also I didn't even good. know. I didn't know you had that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I can tell you the last thing that I bought like that was uh, Grant Morrison's Justice League number one. I bought it in 2001 for like 16, 17 bucks. Wow. Now I won't pay over cover price for a, a, an issue unless like I was going for a relic, like a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's um, a difference between finding something that's actually rare and holds some sort of emotional attachment to you as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, picking something up I can get in a trade form for, for cheap. Right, yeah. I mean, um, more often than that, when I'm, when I'm chasing down one of those issues, I'm not planning to read it. It's something well, I've already read or whatever. It's just more the, it's yes, I can say I have that or whatever. Yeah. Or like, and a g- g- great case in point is the, um, and I forget the issue, but the issue of Showcase with the, um, where uh, Silver Age Flash and Golden Age Flash meet for the first time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That is that I am I am actively hunting for that issue. But now in searching for it, I've discovered what my limit is, and it's for me personally, it's about two hundred fifty dollars. That's so, a pretty high limit. Well, yeah, well, because that issue, I mean, that, I mean, I've found that issue. Connor, you've been with me at cons, where yep. it's like there's one for like three twenty five. I'm like, ah, no, I can't do it, can't do it. You know, like it's so. Uh, it, it it changes, and the, the markets changed too. When we were kids reading books in the eighties and nineties, if you wanted to read an issue, you had to buy it. Yeah. Well, that was the yeah. thing. It yeah. used to be that in order to buy, you know, gets. I remember I used to do mail order. With remember there were like American Comics was one of them. Like I would make big orders of like a bunch of Thor issues that I'd wanted to read. Right. I did that. And I, you I remember know, it paid. took me like five years to get the full run of Christ on Infinite Earth because yeah. you have to hunt and peck and find a you know find them. And now mm-hmm. it's you just go to the go to the store and get the trade. Are you? you know, I still think I, I, st- I think I still don't have an issue of JLA one the Morrison Porter. I'll sell you one. <laughs> <laughs> Seventeen dollars. Yeah. It's two two forty. So, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of, but I, I miss, I miss, I, I do miss that. I enjoyed that part of being a comic collector and a comic. Would you fan. do it now as an adult? I, I, I have, I'm, I'm more of the that means. Kind of time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's yeah. true. That's totally true. It was never. It's not kid. the money that put me off. It's when you're a kid, you got nothing else to do. Can so I tell you, you how happy books? I was when I when I got my copy of X Factor number one? Like I remember that day because we went to the comic book store. I bought I it. I bought that issue. I, I went to the comic book store. I bought it, and then we went to the Sears Mall on Jericho Turnpike. And my sister was driving, and we had to, we were shopping for something, or whatever. I just remember I was just carrying this comic book around and driving back home. I was sitting in the car, and I took it out of the bag, and I was looking at it. And I was like, "Oh my god, I got this issue! I can't believe it!" And uh, like, and I, I I miss that feeling. I miss that. Connor, feeling. Connor, have you noticed that a lot of his stories revolve around the mall at Jericho Turnpike? Yeah. <laughs> like most. Most of Most Rod's of childhood stories. Hey, no, hey, listen. If you know Comac, you know that Sears Mall was nothing to write home about. So, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Well, if you if you have any questions, you can email us at contact at ifanboy dot com. That's not to be about nostalgic trips down memory lane, but we like to do that because Ron will take any opportunity to talk about the mall at Jericho Turnpike. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with it at all. So. All right. It used so, to be called the mall, the mall but it's Sears it's mall. been. Um, that's it for email. Onto the voicemails. Our first voicemail's got a question about fashion. Hey, I family. It's Jackie from Queens, New York. I got a question. Um, you know, a lot of comic book artists can draw superhero costumes like there's no tomorrow. It's okay. But what are your favorite artists that can do regular clothes? Not data clothes, like regular, normal human clothes. My ideas would be Jamie McKelvey and Cliff Chang, especially his art on um, Brave and the Bold. What do you guys think? Have a good one, guys. It's a good question. I had to think about it for a couple of seconds. Yeah, my, my, gut, said, my gut reaction was Alan Davis, but I don't think that's what he's talking about. Because <laughs> I like no, Alan Davis the does the pillowy, the pillowy blouse tops really well. Who does shoulder pads? Alan Davis. No, he's not so much shoulder pads. Is the, is he, he gets the billowing going. Yeah. Well, yeah. everybody's a pirate to him. Yeah. Uh, but he said not – but I, my first instinct was Darwin Cook. And he kind of said not period clothes, but I'm still going with – Darwin Cook does, does like – classic sort of man clothes illustrations and, sure, and, yeah, and, and stuff like that. If you're going to talk about fabric, uh, recently um, Sean Murphy, uh, when he did American Vampire Survival of the Fittest, they had these really great like wool and tweed jackets on and, and, and he just he cross-hatched them in a certain way and he drew them and they looked like they had weight and they just uh, – I thought they looked really great. Uh, like that. I, I got to say, and you guys are going to jump all over me, but I'm holding the latest issue of Glamour Puss, issue number 23, and Dave Sim, in his photorealistic, teaching himself how to draw photorealistic, has gotten the ability to draw clothes like nobody like uh, nobody I've ever seen. 
I have no doubt. Um, or Al Williamson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he's he's, a, he's, drawing, he's doing a fashion comic, right? So yeah. that makes sense. Well, part it's, ha- it's half fashion comic, half comic history because ha- half the issue is talking about Stan Drake and um, Alex Raymond. Um, but but in that he's drawing. Admittedly, they are period pieces because he's telling a tale from the fifties. But like they the the shit looks like their photos. Like he's he's got over twenty three issues over these past few years. Like. Dave Sims gotten really good at it, and then in the fashion stuff, it's more recent stuff. And I'm looking, I'm, he's got, a, he's doing a Zatanna kind of rip off character called Zutana, but he draws the pirate boots, those leather pirate boots. They, a friend of mine just got a pair just like these, and they look just like it from what he's drawn. So, I, I, I my first instinct was Gary Frank, but then I just keep thinking of the sleeves on the Superman outfit. That's just that's the costume. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's he pretty much talked about the two best, I think, which are Homer Kelvy and, yeah. and Chang. So, yeah. you, you nailed them. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> All right. On to the next question. Uh, a little defensive. It's just uh, Sam. Sam from Australia here. Just thought I'd uh, give you guys a call. I'm here in uh, the great state of Texas, and I just wanted to. I'm just basically thinking about some of the creators that you you um you you read on a regular basis. I'm I'm a really big fan of Tom DeFalco, and I always find that I am having to uh, defend my like of of uh, his work. Do you ever have the uh, the same sort of feelings? Sometimes with uh, some of your creators, you have to uh, have to defend their work. Have a good day. Talk to you guys soon. See ya. Bye bye. Okay, wait a second. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Back up. <laughs> wait a minute. I've been to Texas. My family's all from Texas. He could be from the west part of Texas, but I'm, I've never heard of any kind of Texan for like sounds like that. He's- from Australia, he said oh. that. We met, we met him, I believe. Yes, I know. Uh, and he's in Texas, which is some sort of geographic anomaly. Yeah. It, there's, an, there's an accident that happened. <laughs> I haven't been to West Texas. I'm just saying. Where are you from, boy? You could be from El Paso. Anyway, so what about uh, defending of creators? Oh, man. I'd like to see you defend Dom DeFalco. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. It's funny that he brought him up because he's like one of those guys that I, I don't read the stuff because – I don't remember why at this point. You do. Don't, you remember why. I just why. read a lot of I, I read a lot of bad books that I didn't oh. like. And then I went to a panel of writers on comics, and he said a lot of stuff that I didn't agree with when it comes to how to write comics, yeah. basically. Um, that's fair. If you like it, I'm totally fine with that. That's fine. Uh, what it's said, a good question. Interesting. It's like I, I go back. I try to, I try to channel the uh, comic book shop discussions, and um, I, feel like, I feel like I find myself defending Chaikin a lot. Yeah, we do. We do yeah. defend a lot. Yeah, um, I feel like I found myself defending Kirby a lot, which is, seems ridiculous. That's just insane. You're just crazy. Well, talk. but but you know because of you know it doesn't look like what people expect or or I mean, but you no. know Connor earlier you said you said you really like Jerry Ordway a lot. I don't like Jerry Ordway a lot, but I but defend. Again, I've had to defend Brett Booth, which is that's a tough <laughs> that's a tough. But one I to think defend. I think artists it's subjective. Are subjective. Writing is more difficult. Yeah, I think well, everyone has different art tastes. Art is very visceral. You look at it, and you can, you know if you like it or not. Whereas art, there's a lot of. I mean, writing is a lot more difficult to. I feel like uh, we've all not not if we've all, but I feel like we we've defended Judd Winnick in the past because to me, I don't understand why people don't like him. Yeah, no, you're right, and, and he's a guy that people don't like. Not everybody. People but, love but to hate him. Yeah. And, and I don't get I it. I, don't, yeah, I think yeah, he's great too. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's great at characters. I thought, you know, I haven't read everything he's ever done, but he's done a lot of really, really good stuff. You know, he's done really funny stuff. He's done great superhero things. Um, and I can understand saying, oh, he's, he's not, he's not my thing. But to not like him, that always seemed weird. Yeah. I don't understand why why Greg Rucka is not considered like the greatest comic book writer working right now. 
at times. Not always, but <laughs> at times. That's, that's different than defending them, though. Yeah, that, yeah, no, that, that's that's yeah. that's representation or that's uh you know impression. It's more of you know what book comes out where I'm like, hey, I really like this, and everybody jumps all over you. You know, yeah. you know, like how many times? You know, like you know, like I mean, I've had to def- I've had to defend Paul Grist to you guys for years, and finally, Connor's come around on, with Mudman, but um, you know, but like that 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 kind yeah. of reaction when you're just like, oh god, I can't believe you like that. You know, like Josh, like you and Fables. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Stop. I dropped it. You did. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, whoa! Bury the lead. Wow. You just let that one slide right off the podcast. Wow. Yeah, I think it came out this. I was just like hundred and however many issues. I was I'm like, done. I'm I'm bored now. I've been bored a while. We're gonna. We're gonna wow. Step up. End I feel like we can go era. back in time five years and really blow some people's minds. End of namely. An era. Listen, it's okay to change your opinions over the years. No, it's not. You have to stick with it forever. Oh. 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 Right. Just like right. you got that Green Lantern tattoo, so you always will buy Green Lantern. Yeah, exactly. And Spielberg is a sellout. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to, uh, go That's Josh at age 20. You're a fucking asshole. In my attempt to answer every, every question on the podcast with Dave Sim, I find myself having to defend Dave Sim as well for my enjoyment. I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> it's fair. have to defend his work, though? Yeah, he, yes. uh, there, there are people who will, who will not listen to me talk about Glamorapus at all because they, they, they dismiss him because of, of all the other stuff. Um, I can see not. I I can totally see saying I'm not going to buy this because I don't like his viewpoint. I I, I understand that. I think that's valid. Yeah. But if you're going to talk about his craft level, just yeah. to talk about it, that seems extreme. Yeah. Anyway, Alan Moore. Yeah. So more 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 lately. Yeah. You know. So if you've got any questions uh, akin to close or defending creators or anything else, call us on our voicemail line at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Be sure to let us know who you are, where you're from, or where you're calling from, and keep, try to keep it to about thirty seconds. Um, and if this podcast is not enough for you to enjoy with your ears, um, then why don't you try sticking I fanboy don't miss in your ear hole? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> that's Sorry, our that that's our other podcast that comes out every Monday, um, and you can pick that up on ifanboy.com, or you can go to iTunes and download it. You can subscribe to it there. It's where we talk to a creator about a book that's coming out each week, a uh, short one, just a 15, 20 minutes. And this week, I actually talk with uh, Natalie Norgat, whose uh, whose book Between Years comes out from Image Comics. And if you're a fan of Emmy Town by Emmy Lennox, is another uh, kind of autobiography uh, collection of her web comic, um, over three hundred pages, and uh, she's a good up and coming creator. So uh, really good conversation so check that out on monday on ifanboy don't miss well you can also listen to the make comics podcast every wednesday where i join andy schmidt former editor from idw and marvel he did he did a lot of books that that you would know about and like very much um and now he runs the comics experience um school for comicking he doesn't call it that but i do um we'll pick a a topic uh in in, relevant and germane to people who want to make comics and stick in comics and work in, in in the business uh, and talk about it. Uh, this last week, we we talked about about online networking and its incredible uh, influence on on the business of comics today. And there's more stuff like that, positive and negative. Yes, yeah, yeah it's important, uh, very important. Last week, we brought you the special edition Star Wars podcast, which was very cleansing <laughs> in many different ways. Uh, this week, we bring you Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance special edition podcast. So you can look be- uh, behind the show in the feed to find it, that show. Ron and I talking about Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, the sequel to the amazing original Nicolas Cage I Ghost Rider wait. movie. I cannot wait. And by amazing, we mean awful. Yeah. And by Nick Cage, we mean Nick Cage. 
<laughs> so you, you can pick that up in the feed or you can download it from myfanboy.com. And real quickly before we um, finish up the podcast, anybody attending uh, Image Comic Exp- uh, the Image Expo in Oakland, California this upcoming weekend, um, go to ifanboy.com. There's going to be on Monday, there's going to be information about uh, we're co-sponsoring a party with Image Comics and the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, as well as I'm going to be moderating the panel with the Image Founders um, and some other cool stuff. So be on the lookout for that if you're in the Bay Area or if you're near in California, definitely come to Image Expo. It'll be great to see you there. You can go to ifanboy.com and you can read Josh's Pick of the Week review and you can check out all the in-depth discussion and debate, quotation marks. Uh, go to, go to, go to ifanboy.com slash about to see the info on the staff and all their social network links. could be our friends all over the web. And you can follow ifanboy on twitter.com slash ifanboy or facebook.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can find all the latest information on what's going on at ifanboy.com. Yes, and you can get in touch with us by emailing us at contact at ifanboy.com or call us voicemail line, as mentioned earlier, at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 1-888-326-2697. If you like this show or our other shows or anything or any shows, go write reviews for them on iTunes uh, because that helps a lot, even if you think that there are a lot there. If you, if you like it, just go take a minute, put it down there. Better yet, spread the word on your on your on your Facebook account on your on your Twitter feed, uh, tell people about it at the shows. Uh, every little bit really helps. Uh, if you think that you know somebody who liked the show or, or you dug anything, a post, uh, any of that stuff, uh, we really appreciate it. You guys really are a marketing army, and uh, and we appreciate that. We do. Cool. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh, and I'm rethinking that 800 words I was going to do on Scarlet Witch. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>